In 1974, the first tabletop role-playing game was created. Since then, people from all around have gathered to play. Join me as we talk with RPG enthusiasts while they share their best, worst, and favorite moments. This is You Had to Be There. Hey everyone, welcome to You Had to Be There, a D&D storytelling podcast. Uh, I have a very cool guest today. Um, if it's your first time joining us, uh, you'll kind of find out what we do here. But my guest today, I know we say it's a D&D podcast, but in reality, it's about all different types of tabletop role-playing games. So with me today, I have uh, Luis Loza, who is a senior developer at Paizo. And again, I hope I said that right, because I know we went over it, but I'm, I'm terrible. Yeah, No, you're good. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, definitely, man. So um, I think like what I, I just do want to because I know like there are different aspects. I had Jason and I know he's he's a developer also. What do you specifically work on at Paizo? I work on a book line called Lost Omens uh, line uh, of books. We are covering the setting uh, of Pathfinder. We give you all the information on uh, different parts of lore and history and, and, and the world. Uh, for the Lost Omen setting, which is uh, the setting for Pathfinder, uh, the Pathfinder RPG. So I, I, I'm helping put those books together, and they provide you uh, a lot of flavorful information, like I mentioned, history and, and, and lore, but also rules options to help supplement uh, some of the, the different things that you're reading about in these books. Nice. So, like, when you... Because I, I remember when I had the, the Paizo guys on, so you have, like, a lot of the... Like, the freelance, the writers, they write a lot <laughs> of that. So are you, like, you kind of put it all together... As yeah, far as I'm, like, or yeah, uh, I'm kind of in charge of coming up with the concept and and getting that all put together by getting in touch with freelancers, having them write for us, and then getting in touch with our art team and asking for all the the necessary stuff. Kind of like a director on a movie from the yeah. beginning to end, no, uh, running the whole thing. That's awesome. That must be like kind of fun because do you do you like have a lot of friends that play through these books that you work on, and you like? Yeah, I have plenty of people that that I talk to that sometimes even bug me like hey next time you should add this or that so oh I that's rude for my no. character <laughs> i was kind of hoping more like you know like you you know they you're like what part are you getting to Ooh, oh boy all right that's fun yeah. um but no that that is cool and so it's it's also nice that you get to like really because like sometimes i have a hard time with like different books or settings like to really mm -hmm. like absorb the lore but you must know it so well do you play games in that setting or not typically? uh yeah i do I, i've you been do? playing for oh boy since 2010 i think so I've, I've been running games in that and know it yeah. fairly well at this point did you start did you start with pathfinder were you always a pathfinder person uh no i started actually with D, &D uh sure. back in high school started with third edition or 3.5 okay uh, yeah and then tried out fourth edition and eventually found pathfinder and kind of got hooked uh on that pretty hard to I the feel point like where that's... you know i work there now <laughs> yeah well of course obviously and listen i've played you know i've i've been fortunate enough where i i do play mostly uh D, &D but i've mm -hmm. i've tried a few different um systems and they're all like so fun and so different yeah and uh i've mentioned it before my br my brother-in-law who is kind of now my assistant because he's like he'll, he's very big in the in the pathfinder and mm -hmm. he follows a lot of you on on twitter and he'll be like hey this person, this person's cool. You should have them on your podcast. So I'm like, great, I will. 
Uh, so, you know, shout out to, to Ken for that. But, um, yeah. So, uh, so you started with it. You're one of those, I think there's a lot of these people who are there like, I was a 3.5 guy, then fourth mm-hmm. edition came out and then you made the jump. Um, and it is it for you, what did it come down to? Like what it, what was like the main, did you have someone like bring Pathfinder to you or like the new fourth edition came out and you're like, I don't like this. I'm going to go find something else. Uh, I enjoyed fourth edition. What ended up happening is when I was playing fourth edition and 3.5, it was all homebrew stuff. Yeah. And that was great. I had a good time with that. But the first contact I had with Pathfinder was one of their pre-written adventures. And I sat down, started reading it. I thought, whoa, this is a really cool story. There's a cool setting. I like the the, the town that's being presented and all this stuff. And I had never really interacted with with any kind of pre-written adventures. Uh, So I happened to pick one that was very good and and kind of hooked me into the world. And I was excited to, to figure this out. And then from there, I tried to secretly like sneak in, like, "Hey, we should do this adventure that I'm thinking of running." Right. And it was the the Pathfinder adventure. It was even always the, was... the Pathfinder one. That's cool. Yeah, even though I was trying to port it over to Fourth Edition or whatever, just so I can experience the story and have other people try it out too. That's gotta be tough though. Like, I couldn't imagine porting stuff from from like Pathfinder or D and D back and forth because like they're so like the 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 dice you're rolling are the same, but yeah. A dice roll means so many different things between the <laughs> yeah, two. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, so when you when you first um, so then what like what led you to Paizo actually? So then what? Let's uh, go through. So you the, were playing these games for how many? Like, I mean, at this point now it's like twelve years almost. Yeah. Uh, what happened was the we got hooked in Pathfinder. We eventually tried Pathfinder itself rather than just trying their adventures. Right, we tried trying the, to like the rule mess set. around with it. Got um, it. Tried the rule set that happened and that was going well. And I kind of bought in really hard. You can see behind me. There's I love, like, yeah, I love the, the entire <laughs> uh, Pathfinder collection. Oops, sorry. Uh, right, Pathfinder collection there. And um, eventually I decided, hey, I really like this. I like g- games. Uh, been playing video games forever. Yeah. I also like writing and, and stories. And Beautiful. I thought this is a, a chance to actually mix those two to have a game that also involves writing, storytelling, and stuff yeah. in a way that's never been something I really encountered before. And soon enough, I tried my own hand at freelancing and writing for other companies. Was able mm-hmm. to uh, convince someone at Paizo to give me a shot to write just a little bit for them, and more and more, and built that up, and eventually yeah. kind of built a, a rapport with them and knew the game so well that when the time came that uh, they needed a new developer. I applied and, and was able to get the job. That's great. So did you did you get it like based off of your writing experiences or just your passion? I, like were you an actual writer for a while or I hadn't like I'm not any kind of published author outside of, of RPGs or anything. That's but fine. I, I wrote so much for Pathfinder. I think I had like a dozen or more products under my belt oh, great. writing for them and I got to know the people at the company. I, I you know, you work with someone, you know Yeah. I the the same way I, I reach out to freelancers and contact them. They they were reaching out to me and getting more and more work. And I was learning the system because I was always running it, I was playing it. And, and it reached a point where when that uh, that position went up, you, you do a test. You gotta see how well you know Pathfinder, how well wow. you can clean up the rules, how well you can clean up not just the rules, but also writing that gets over to you. It's yeah, yeah. partially an editor job and, and was able to have enough uh, practice with what I had been doing for, for years at that point that uh, they decided, yeah, let's give this guy a try and been here for four years now. I like that. I like that that 
and I think I think when I spoke with the the other two guys too, I it was just so like the way you have it set up where they're just like, well, if, you know, position opens up that they give people who just love it and write for mm-hmm. it, and they I like how they just open that up and be like, hey, now's your chance. You want to get on here? Um, what did um, because like, when I had uh Jason Alex on there, the big thing was the union. What did the union like mean for you as far as like? There's uh, a, a lot go. of uh, a lot of great people that work here, and I just know that giving them more and more support will lead to, to better products and, and a better game yeah. uh, overall. Uh, there's just, you know, sometimes you have long hours or people who need just some extra help in, in some other ways that the company itself can't directly provide, and, and having a union there can, m- means that we can kind of ask for that kind of stuff or barely set up resources to, to help out with that. So So having a union in place just means that I think what's going to happen is we're going to have uh, the people working here in a, a better spot where they can provide even better games, higher quality overall for everyone. And, and hopefully just that means more people coming and playing the game and enjoying Pathfinder or, you know, spinning off into to whatever, if it's Starfinder or D&D or whatever, just a, a better, healthier uh, RPG industry overall. Yeah, I think it's huge. I kind of like, I dig the, the workplace revolution that's kind of occurring where everyone's yeah. like, hey, you want it makes sense you know when people are happier and you know more relaxed and i agree they're going to put out a better product like Mm -hmm. you know if you're stressed out because you can't pay your bills like you're not going to be thinking about the lore behind uh your your game you're writing you're going to be thinking about your rent and all that stuff so that's great so you're feeling pretty good about all that stuff you're very uh satisfied with it i'm I'm confident that uh things are going to I, I'm hopeful for the future, right? Yeah. It, it takes it's a process. It's not just you know the the, the flip is switched and suddenly we are a hundred percent better. But I, I think we have a lot of great people uh, on both sides of things uh, willing to work together to to improve everything overall. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right. Um, enough about the uh, the the business <laughs> stuff. I want to yeah, no hear. Problem. So you've been playing for for twelve years. What did you um like? What because I I like I, I am kind of like you where I mean I'm not I'm not a well crafted writer I'm mm-hmm. a comedic writer but I enjoy yeah. like when it, when I first played I was like oh I get it I get why everyone mm-hmm. loves these so much because it really is this like great combination of you get you could be like you know writing and and games because I'm also like I'm a big video game person yeah. and I was like oh like every video game now suddenly makes a million more sense to me because of the mm-hmm. way because they all stem from this so um. What got you into it initially? Like, what was your when you got it and you like you played it? Like, did you run the game? Did you play the game? Who did you play? Like, what was that I, like? I played. Uh, so I got invited by a couple of friends in, yeah. in high school, and it always was a thing that I was aware of. And this is a group of friends that I enjoyed a lot, and they're very good friends of mine. And yeah. they always seem to talk up D and D. Saying, "Well, if they're having such a good time, I'm sure I can come by and join them. And even if I don't get it." hanging out with them is still going to be a good time, right? Yeah. Uh, so I decided, let's do it. They eventually set up a time or whatever for that. I skipped track practice to go <laughs> to to All my right. first session of d and sure up having to. That. <laughs> uh, it was a, a, a practice like a day or two before a meet, so I actually wasn't allowed to compete at the next meet, but I think oh, it was worth wow. it. Oh, <laughs> gave it all up for D&D. Gave it up for D&D. Yeah, uh, it no, was uh, putting me on the road towards this career, so I think it was worth it. Uh, absolutely. Um, so we, we played, uh, I've made a halfling rogue, because that's what you do. If you play a rogue, you make a halfling, I guess. Seems like so many people Halflings start with halfling rogues. Halflings are one of my rogues. favorite, man. 
Yeah, yeah it's I love all them. fun and games uh, until you roll in that one and you're like, oh no, I'm not the halfling anymore. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's all like, right, so you went with halfling rogue. Halfling rogue, and they were all making characters, and 3.5 is one of those games where like making characters is half the fun, right? Because you can come right. up with all these different combinations and stuff that you're gonna do. Right. Uh, so I think one of my friends grabbed some of the the psionic stuff and went crazy with that. There's just a bunch of different stuff, uh, and we went to go explore a haunted house. And I got it immediately, right? Like it just—it felt natural. There was, there's, right. just, It's a little bit of acting, uh, uh, a little bit of, um, you know, video game or just gaming, right? Uh, a little bit uh, of storytelling, and maybe I just had the right group for it, but I didn't have any trouble really getting into it beyond like, nice. What the heck is BAB? You know, you did, base attack um, bonus and all your skill skill ranks and stuff. You did a haunted all house. That. that that's fun. I like the I like the haunted ones. I like the scary yeah. ones because like, I don't know. It's fun to play like a char- even especially it's fun to play like a character who is afraid. You're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Um, so we we played that couple hours. It was a good time, and you know, we're able to keep that group going for two years or so until everyone graduated high school and left me behind because I was a year uh, behind them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this was, like, well before even probably playing yeah, online. No was internet stuff. No. Yeah, it wasn't even a thought. Like, I mean, the internet obviously existed, in, you know, in 2010, which mm-hmm. is not unusual. But, like, yeah, the, you know, your best luck was, like, Skype. Well, this and was... Skype was a hot... No, no offense to Skype. You're probably way better yeah. now. But when I was in a long distance relationship back in the day and I was trying to Skype. It was the worst thing ever. So yeah, yeah it's like not even a, it probably wasn't even a thought. So what did you do then after that? Everyone, everyone peaced out. What happened? Everyone left. Um, so this is actually even before 2010 because 2010 is when we got into Pathfinder. So oh, I started okay. with 3.5. Oh my gosh. So wow, this was you've like, been playing for like 2004, longer. 2005 or so. Wow. Okay. Um, and they left and I just had no one to play with. And, for a while all it was was just well i hope they come home from college on breaks and then we get to play soon yeah <laughs> during that time and we did a few times but that's what ended up happening and i kind of just had to go a whole year without playing which is all right you know whatever it's my senior year i have plenty of stuff i can do then yeah. i moved to college and got back in touch with a lot of them uh and once you know it, fourth edition is coming out. Let's try D and D again. Let's get back into it. And right, right. We just dove headfirst into four E and played that for a couple of years. Nice. Um, when did you start DMing? Then did you start D like? Do you DM regularly or do you do more oh, playing? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I I run games all the time. I'm one of the forever DMs. Forever DM. Now. Okay. <laughs> um, I I get to play a little bit more now that I work at Paizo and everyone's a DM, so someone else can oh, run yeah, it for me. Oh yeah, that's gotta be nice. Uh. But the I, I tried it, actually, with that first 3.5 uh, run. I tried out a bit of DMing. It worked out all right. And then uh-huh. I, I made a, a terrible mistake in thinking that, like, oh, I have this NPC I made. Let's have this adventure, this story, of all about what this NPC is doing as opposed to what the players are doing. Mm. And it, this NPC happened to be a character of mine that I wanted to play later. Got it. Uh, so it was just this terrible thing. Uh, it was, like everyone was really kind of frustrated and upset by the end of it uh our, our regular dm who wanted to play he's like oh yeah i'll take a break someone else can run it I right figured i'd give it a run uh he's just upset that like he didn't really get to enjoy the game at all and it kind of turned me off dming for a little bit uh, until fourth edition rolled around and i just decided you know what i'll give it another try 
I dove into it, started homebrewing stuff, started coming yeah. up with our own setting, and really fell in love with it at that point. Just I, I love running the game so much that it, I've, mm. I've I've noticed over the years like it's really hard to turn off my brain and turn it on to player mode. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I will sit at tables with people running games for me and be like, "That's not how I would have done that." Or right, you know, right, stuff like that. So it's it's yeah. just something I love so much. It's got to be interesting. And I've I've only had a few D like a few different people to DM with, but I mm-hmm. I do actually. Uh, from an outside perspective, I find it fascinating. I'm like, well, how do you rule this? And they'll be like, I do this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I never thought about that. And like, my other DM does this. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And that's mm-hmm. actually kind of a third of this show is like hearing those fun things. What's a, I mean, I do understand like that must be one thing that is frustrating because when you, if you have a character in mind and you like, you want it to go. And I actually thought, ironic, like that thought did cross my brain where. We, we have a monthly game and, and the DM can't make it. So I was like, all right, I can run. I run occasionally. I don't really like yeah. to do it. I would rather like play, but we have all these characters. And I was like, all right, well, I'll run a campaign, the same thing. So some people are newer. I was like, so you don't have to wonder, worry too much about building a new character. Just play your same character. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, but I want to play my character too. And I was like, could I put her in there? I was like, no, 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 she's a cleric. <laughs> she, that would break, like, it's too much. And she's also very big and brassy. Like she's aggressive and, Neat. I was like, I can't do that. I can't play an NPC where yeah. that character's MO is, hey, look at me all the time. It's just not, so it doesn't make sense. Uh, I did take a, a page out of some other DMs where, like, I'll make an NPC that's kind of, like, I made a Kenku mm-hmm. ranger where, like, they don't even talk. They just mimic what other people say. So I'm like, that's the perfect NPC. Like, that's yeah. what I'll do. Um, but uh, where did you uh, – oh, hold on. Now I lost my train of thought. Um so after you so you regrouped you regrouped and you're like i'm gonna dm again and yeah. after that you kind of like i guess I like never looked back <laughs> understood it yeah it's weird it's like a it's such a like a thing of honor you're like i'm going to this and like because you have to remember it's the story it's not you mm-hmm. don't win you're not supposed to win and it's like no you're if you play for a while you get like you know and then after you play for a while and you kill a hundred enemies and then you run a hundred enemies and they all die, you're like, oh man, like <laughs> it all died. But what's um so when you homebrew, like what's your what's your world? Like do you obviously I'm assuming you use the Pathfinder rule set. Uh so I haven't touched my homebrew world in, in ages because oh, I use okay. Pathfinder and, and just use their setting, but I, it's still like always kind of lingering in the back of my mind, like I gotta do something with that. Yeah. So we had this um the way we, we DM stuff at, at that time with 4th edition, they reached a point where like new books were coming out and everyone wanted to try out the new classes. Got it. Um, or I wanted to just play for a little bit. Got it. I didn't want to always be DMing. So we had uh, there was four of us in the group total, so me and three players. And what we would do is do this kind of round robin, uh, or, or no, I called it hot seat, G, hot seat DMing, where okay. you can swap in and out as needed and i set up the world where you were kind of members of this big worldwide guild that was just kind of sent off to go do missions Mm -hmm. uh, of any kind and these missions were you know a couple sessions long or or as long as needed to be and when you were done you come back you crash and then you get sent on another mission but you might not be sent with the same group and that was our excuse for like oh my character isn't there this time uh i'll step out and then i can run the game and your character can come in and mm-hmm. that's how we kept swapping in and out. And it gave everyone a chance to run the games. Right. It also gave me a chance to play it. It gave me a chance to actually learn from the way other people were running the game. Mm-hmm. 
other other people who are DMing would do a thing, and I really like that, and then I would try to incorporate that into my game uh, next time I run it and stuff like that. So that was really fun. Uh, and that's the, the world we built. It started with that, and then it kind of using... I think I bought RPG Maker. You ever heard of that? It's like a... a it's a little program that you use to, to make your own little uh, uh, role-playing games like Final Fantasy and stuff. Okay. But it happens to... It looks like 2D Super Nintendo sprites, but it happens to have you know a bunch of map tools. And oh, I used okay. that and just Very made cool. a little map, and yeah. that was our world for a bit. And eventually, I just got more and more into it and yeah. reached kind of the culmination of a storyline where they had to leave, and they kind of fly away from this island that has been our continent, our, our world, our known world for the longest time, and realize that's only like a fraction of the whole world. And it opened up to this whole big thing, uh, and it was ridiculous. Uh, and I don't think we really had a chance to get back into it much more after that, because mm. college is such that people get busy and stuff, and we just couldn't get back together. Um, and eventually, we found Pathfinder, so we just started doing the Pathfinder. She just started world. doing the books after that, though. Yeah, uh, but I, it's like always been sitting in the back of my mind. Like I know I still like have it all in my head. I know enough about it that I could probably put it to paper and publish it on my own someday it's just a matter of deciding like what i want to do with it what kind of stories i want to tell with it yeah that's incredible i i envy people who have that that big picture i like there's it's hard sometimes to like not just get pigeonholed but you have that Mm -hmm. anyone who writes campaigns and has this ability to like look at this giant picture and see all the the details and it's it's great um, so how often do you run, like you said, you run games all the time. So do you do oh, yeah. a rotating DM? Cause I think the rotating DM is a pretty interesting idea. Two guests, uh, two episodes back, I had someone who that her and her husband do a, do a stream Pathfinder. Actually, I think they do Pathfinder mm-hmm. one though. Um, and they do a rotating DM on their stream. So like, uh, it is interesting. Do you do that now? No, I, I tend to, I, I, I just feel more comfortable running games anymore. Burden. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know. I find you like, love it. prepping monsters and doing yeah. doing maps and all that stuff just really fun in in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, my brain is broken where it's like I will just sit here and put together a map for four hours and enjoy every second of it. It, I, I, it's got to be satisfying when you know yeah. when you know it's going in. So what are you um? So what are you currently running then? You're running so just- I have uh, a few different games. Um, every Thursday night, okay. I'm running Pathfinder, which includes people from my group from all the way back in high school. Like I, I have oh, one of the players who's, so you did who's still playing. Everyone's like, hey, yeah. we can do this virtually? Or are they all yeah. uh, it's just One of them is still here. Um, okay. Like The others have kind of gone their own way, but at least right. one, we, we stayed friends still to this day That's and amazing. continue to run games. Um, and then you know a, a fair number of other people that I've been playing games with for pretty much since I started running Pathfinder, so over 10 years at this point. Uh, and we run Thursday nights kind of religiously uh, okay. to the point where everyone, including the one friend who happens to have now three kids, knows that, like, Thursday evenings, you just, that's what you do. You got set time life... for yourself, regardless. You got to set time for yourself. Yeah. Everyone's got to, you know, enjoy themselves. Yeah, wife and kids just know like that's that's what he does on Thursday nights, and that's fine. Um, so we we run Pathfinder for the most part during that time. Pathfinder puts out Adventure Pass or full length campaigns, usually take you from first level to twentieth level, and we've been doing those for years. I managed to get through a, a lot of them over the years at this I point. Bet. 
uh, and and we just continue to play them. And what happens is we'll play those for however long it takes, and then we take a couple months break. And during those those couple months, then we we try out other games. So we'll try D and D. We'll try any other game, Call of Cthulhu, just anything else that yeah. anyone's really at all interested in. And that that's when I get to play for a while. Um, but since moving to Seattle and and working with Paizo, I like I said have a lot of people here that can run games too so i joined up in an office game oh that man yeah has i bet been there's like a on. million of those going on <laughs> yeah there, there usually is so i joined up in one of those and that runs every other tuesday uh-huh. uh and then on the other tuesdays the alternating tuesdays when i don't have that i run the star wars rpg which i think is great for a couple Very of friends cool. uh and you know just play stuff here and there uh but kind of have tuesdays and thursdays as my regular game nights with the occasional stuff on the weekends Star Wars sounds fun. I bet I would really yeah. like that. Do you um are there like classes in the Star Wars one? I don't know too much about it, but there kind of is. They're called specializations. They're kind mm-hmm. of your your starting bundle of, of like skills and abilities. Uh, so you can be like a bounty hunter, okay. or you can be like a, a a scholar Jedi style character. You know, different stuff like that, and that'll cool. give you different abilities that you can gain. But at any time, rather than gaining levels, you gain XP, and the XP that you use is uh, spent on getting new abilities. So like, oh, I, this thing that will give me uh, bonus health because I'm tougher, that cost me 10 XP or whatever. Nice. And you, you buy stuff kind of like a talent tree uh, and, and get a, as you need as much or as little as you want in terms of XP investment per specialization. And then you can choose to go into other specializations. So you can be a bounty hunter who's also an ace pilot and oh. other stuff and kind of start mixing and matching it as you like that sounds cool that sounds cool i'm out to check that out yeah i played um played call of cthulhu i had a lot of fun mm-hmm. with that um we did it on stream here and then i tried one in chronicles of darkness which is a yeah. d10 system and that was Love fun that game. Yep. uh and i have vampire the masquerade on my radar i haven't played mm-hmm. it yet i'm still like trying to understand how that one runs um <laughs> and then eventually i'm gonna play a starfinder thing for my brother-in-law yep. with my brother-in-law once we uh figure out find other people to play um but that's great uh i will let less i want to hear some stories but last question so out of all of the systems other than pathfinder because i'm not gonna make you do that which one's your favorite uh i really really love the star wars game sure and i love uh the chronicles of darkness Chron- yeah it was great i haven't done old world of darkness which is just world of darkness but uh, uh-huh. those are two that i really enjoy there's just so many little bits of other games that I enjoy. Like when you yeah. play Call of Cthulhu, yeah. if you use a skill, you mark it off, and then you roll at the end to see if it improves because you used it, right? And right, okay. Stuff like that. L- lots of little things like that. Uh, the Star Wars game has like specific dice with specific symbols. Mm-hmm. These proprietary dice are like hard to figure out at first. Once you know them, you suddenly realize that you have like a lot of stuff you can do as a character, even if you like miss your attack, right? You can shoot your blaster and miss but have these other like symbols that pop up that make it so you can give someone else a bonus to attack that same guy because he provided covering fire or something like that. So oh. There's always something you can do uh, as opposed to like D&D or Pathfinder where usually it's like, oh, I rolled a two and I missed and that's the end of my turn. Too bad. You can roll a two but still have like other stuff happen. No, that, uh, I mean, in theory, it does make sense. And then I always love this too when you realize like the way they apply the dice to things. Like, yeah, yeah. if you shot and you missed, the person, you missed because the person moved, not because... Yeah most times you know maybe if you can miss miss but like the way it usually role plays out unless they have like heavy armor or something but like 
you know, they move. Yeah, but okay, even still, well, getting hit where they move? with oh, they move. heavy armor might yeah. make you and reel back. So there, there you go. So now they're a little bit out in the open a little bit more, which would make sense yeah. to give that other person that little boost. So that is, a like, a clever thing, especially for, like, a war, like, if you're shooting guns and stuff. Because, like mm-hmm. you said, covering fire. Covering fire would prevent them to do something, you know? Would it also affect... Out of curiosity, now my brain's taking a little bit. So like if I'm, <laughs> if I'm, uh, say I'm the the bounty hunter and I blast and that person hides, and then someone else goes to move and that person mm-hmm. kind of like. The the person I was shooting at goes to shoot at, an ally of mine. Would that mm-hmm. also affect it? Does that also? Yeah, you can you can interpret it as as you like. Uh, when you 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 get a bunch of different symbols you know uh-huh. these are successes or like advantages they're, they're different categories but success is just you know you hit something or you succeed at whatever right. but these advantages are what you kind of manipulate so you can mm-hmm. say oh i forced them into hiding or, or provided covering fire you get a bonus or you can do the inverse oh they're being shot at and now they have trouble firing back and they get a penalty to try to shoot at, at my friends right and stuff like that so there's, there's different ways you can interpret it depending on how successful you are on something, how many of these you use. You can do things like, oh, I made them drop their gun or, or all, all these different ways you can interpret it. And that's kind of the fun is, you know, you'll get two or three of a symbol and it, it'll say you have like eight different things you can do with that. Choose which one you think is best for the situation or, or, or the story or, or the way you want the narrative to go. That's dope. That's really cool. I, I, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, nice. All right, so so in all of these these oh man like what twenty two plus years of playing games man <laughs> that's a long time you might that's a long time and uh, pretty consistent too. Um, what were your some like what was your some of your favorite things like when you if someone's like D and D, what's that like? Is it fun? And then you're like, well, I gotta you know. Oh man, they're just like goofy like they're, they're they're generators for stories that you tell at lunch or dinner the next day or whatever or, or cool. after you know sitting around having some drinks right uh so like one of the first things that comes to mind is just the recurring gags that end up happening mm-hmm. by chance that very first game i played with the haunted house uh there's a point where me and the ranger uh decided let's try to climb up the side of the house or whatever uh, i think we threw a grappling hook up to a window start climbing up against the wall like batman style right uh and at some point he fails his check or something uh and ends up like falling into kind of like a, a, a puddle and you know the, the the dm says oh you get covered in slime it's kind of kind of a goofy we all laugh and then i think later that same session we go into the basement like there's a cellar door outside um and he says oh i'm gonna roll inside you know just so i, I land quietly he rolls he rolls poorly and he the, the dm just runs with it. he's like oh you get covered in slime again and there's a thing that, that that keeps happening like every other session we find some way to like to cut, cause him, him to get covered in slime, in slime. <laughs> <laughs> which is you know that that comes up all the time you, you end up making the, the these inside jokes that are like great the, like the nickelodeon of of yeah D&D. Or there's so a thing that, that happened with um one of my players who's in my my thursday game yeah who just by chance uh gets there's a, a crocodile that sneaks up on them while they're moving through uh some forest or whatever uh jumps up out of the water grabs him and you know just about kills him with a crit and it's a rough fight there you go and the, we finish that campaign the next campaign happens 
and eventually I've, you know, I've reached a point in the, the adventures, the pre-written adventures. It's like, oh, there's a crocodile. Mm-hmm. And it's you know here on the map, and they they're walking in such a way that he happens to be the best target. So again, this crocodile comes after him, and now every single time I get a chance, I send a crocodile after <laughs> him <laughs> to just try to take him out. And there's this kind of like almost like a cross generations bloodline thing where they're all all his characters end up somehow dealing with crocodiles and becoming absolutely terrified of encountering a ca- crocodile. That's so funny. Have you? What's the weirdest place you've slipped a crocodile? Uh, I think once I had something like there was a stuffed crocodile in the room, like you know, a hunter's in there, and there's a bunch of stuffed animals. And one of them is a, st- a stuffed crocodile, like big uh-huh. statue, uh, and he's just freaked out, thinking right. this thing's gonna come to life, and nothing happens. Okay, but like the threat of a crocodile was enough. Uh, I think at, I think at some point it gets knocked over. And that's it. Like it falls over, but I think that was enough to just like cause him to, to shake in his boots. That's funny. So you just use that. As a yeah. Little like, torture device. Yeah, it doesn't even that's have funny. to do anything anymore. Um, do uh, you do do you do that a lot? Like a reoccur- a lot of reoccurring things in your games. Yeah, it turns out that um, a lot of that ends up actually being really good for for stories as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if the like one thing that I can think of was I was running a campaign where they ended up in like a, a scrapyard town, very Mad Max style town. Okay. And I decided, you know, the very first NPC they, they started talking to just occasionally referred to, to the players as Boyo. Uh, you know, hey, Boyo, listen here, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And, you know, that was whatever. It happened. That conversation happened. Then they keep going and they meet another character. And then for some reason I decide, all right, this person also says Boyo. And boyo. then suddenly they realize everyone here just that's the slang in the, the area in is, the area. is boyo, which kind of adds to the, the world a little bit of the flavor is realizing that, oh, this is the kind of things they say here as opposed to, you know, you wouldn't hear this anywhere else. But this is a weird town. And I guess boyo is one of those things. And it helped them, I think, later when they needed to use diplomacy to add boyo into their lexicon and, and make it seem like they're natural at, at the conversation there. They're one of the locals and stuff. It's it's clever. It's like so small, but so like specific. Mm-hmm. No, but it makes sense too if you trust. You know, like I wonder, like, did they have to like? Did did anyone ever like kind of insight check them to see if they were like kind of full of crap, like that they didn't actually weren't from the area? Or uh, I think I I ruled it more of a like it gives them a, like a plus one bonus or okay. something. If they it's use, a, if they be, use because they did that, it's like oh yeah, it's all the easier to to win someone over because it it's a more natural conversation for them. Nice, nice. Um, that was uh, so you have one one player and and one DM. So what uh any any other good ones come to mind? Oh boy. Um, so this is less uh like a funny one, but I think. One of the few times I got to play in a campaign, uh, we were playing the Kingmaker Adventure Path, one of the Pathfinder ones, which is just kind of like go out into the frontier and start mm-hmm. a, a, a new settlement that grows into a kingdom and stuff. And it was really cool. Um, but the the early adventure uh, kind of ends with you assaulting a local bandit king, bandit lord. He has a fort and he's kind of been a pain in the butt this whole time. You're going to mm-hmm. go take him out, put an end to him. And me and the other players a lot of us lived together. And I think all of us lived together at that time. So it's sure. like everyone that's in that game lived together, except for maybe one guy who comes by every day anyway. Um, but right. we were like 
we knew, okay, our next session is going to be this thing. Let's figure out how we're going to salt it. And normally this is the thing you'd probably do at the table and figure out stuff. But uh, our DM's like, you know what? I just will expect you to have a plan by the time we get back together next week. And we spent weeks, the, the whole week, like I'd go cook some lunch or whatever. And uh, a friend would come by and we, we'd chat this over like we were planning it in game. Right. Uh, and we, we came up with this this extraordinary plan. There was only a wizard and then a barbarian, a paladin, and a cavalier, a kind of knight character, which was mine. So sure. only one one spellcaster. Uh, and that meant he had to kind of cover for a lot of us. Uh, so he spent a lot of downtime crafting uh, a lot of stuff. He figured out how to get us all like invisibility potions. Uh, he, he created like silence zones that he could keep around us so we could sneak in really well. Mm-hmm. Considering we we're big knights and barbarians, right? We needed it. Right. Um, but we we were kind of running through the plan and kind of poking holes in it and be like, all right, what happens when this happens? When, when, what about when this happens? And I, I came to realize like we're going to be invisible and silent. We can't communicate with each other <laughs> at all. Uh, I can't see you doing anything. I can't follow where you're going. We don't have see invisibility. We, we're lucky we have these invisibility potions. And I can't just like whisper to you because uh, we're going to be in the silence zone. Uh, so we like look over the rules of trying to figure out what do we do. I realize that invisibility says, you know, anything on your person turns invisible. We can let go of something and it'll turn visible again. So if I just like throw my sword out or whatever, it'll okay. see it again. Um, came up with this plan where I have like a rock on a string that I keep in my pocket and I toss it out. And you can see the the rock just kind of hanging, <laughs> hanging there, and that's that was our communication device, or, or like how we kept track of each other. It's like, all right, there's this little floating rock, that you know, among a, a fort out in the wilderness, you, you just won't notice a rock, but that that's how we keep track of each other. Um, and we we spent like a week planning this, and the DM came by time to, to run that section session, and we're just like so ready, sitting there. Uh, kind of really eager, just like ready to ruin his day by 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 running this plan, and and it goes off pretty much without a hitch. We we get close to the fort, we turn invisible, we sneak in, uh, climb in through the back, uh, pull the wizard up, and find where this bandit leader is sleeping. It's late at night. Sneak into his room, and like take out like the one guard who's kind of hanging out there. Right. This bandit lord is sleeping. We, we sneak up to him asleep, and we're, we're not going to bother with, like, asking him to surrender. We know he's evil. We know he's done terrible things. He's ruined the, right. the livelihood of the people around here. So the barbarian just goes, swings his axe, gets a crit, chops this dude's head off. <laughs> oh, my like, gosh. And, and then we, we decide, oh, I think we're set. I don't think anyone else is going to try to stop us. We drop our invisibility. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we, we take his head. We step outside and we just say, he's dead. Anyone who wants to fight us can feel free, but you're free to go now. This is your chance to escape. And pretty much everyone surrendered right away. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fled. So it all went out. Really it, well. it all went to, to like, it was the perfect plan. And, you know, you don't imagine a barbarian and a paladin and a, a knight sneaking around, but it, we managed to make it work. Beautiful. And I, think it was I mean, just that like was a, great that you were it, able, that the wizard was able to, to work that yeah. up. And that was really good that you thought of that beforehand <laughs> yes. because that would have been 
if I was like the DM, I would have been on the floor rolling laughing if if you didn't think about that. And then you're just like, wait a second, we can't see or talk to each other. Like that's that's very funny. I don't I, know I why think... you said that. That wasn't a funny story because that was hilarious. <laughs> oh well, I mean, I I see it more as like, oh, we're badasses. We're gonna sneak in and all this stuff. Uh, but I, I, yeah, that's true. Which you were, which you were. It was we, we very were. difficult. But to the, get... the the planning of it, yeah. There's definitely a the lot of planning was very in. funny and like it's great. I was and I was ready and you got really lucky because I feel like sometimes I plan like all week. I'm like I got this and then one thing changes and I'm like, well, that plans crumple it up, toss it over the shoulder. Um, we would have been absolutely destroyed if like we didn't kill him in that crit, you know, when he's asleep or whatever, or our our invisibility got dropped in the middle of a bandit camp with like 40 bandits and all this other stuff was the going silence on. still up when you were in the room like did the silence move with you yeah it, it oh, moved wow. with us uh so we had like the perfect bubble of stealth that That's good. we didn't like need anymore because beyond that you know we leveled up enough that we could do all this crap anytime we wanted but it was kind of like the culmination of we're low level we're gonna push everything to the max before we can get like really overpowered with all the cool stuff that we get um because wizard high enough level you they can do anything right uh so it was just kind of maximizing all, all our resources and it was just a real great time and a story that that wizard uh the player for that wizard just continues to just go back to yeah uh, it's probably of one of his favorite characters he, he there's just so many great things he was able to do by like realizing oh I'm kind of the party, and these three are are my tools. <laughs> yes, yeah, the wiz- the the intelligence with the brutes. Yeah, that's yeah, that is funny. Um, let's find out one one last. So I know you played um a rogue your first time. What is your mm-hmm. like? What's your like class of choice now? As a when think, you finally get to play, what do so, you go for? When I joined Paizo, like day one, they turned around and. Like they, they gave me my first bit of work and then after lunch came by, it's like, oh, actually, by the way, we're doing a second edition of this game. So this is all like going to be moot in a while. <laughs> uh, so everything you fine. knew is over. <laughs> uh, luckily, like the setting doesn't change. Right. So right. a lot of that stuff I, I'm still able to use. That's true. But um, the that that was happening and I was able to join up a, a, an in-office playtest game early sure. on. And the first thing I decided to do was like, oh, I'll just try out a fighter and i liked the the fighter quite a bit and i I played a couple sessions and then my fighter died which is a shame what happened um we we were facing i think we were facing a doolahan one of those headless horseman style guys um and he happens to have like this ridiculous weapon which is a spine that works like a whip Uh, which is super great once you get it, but when you're on the receiving end, <laughs> it's pretty rough. Oh, yeah. um, and and my fighter was all about like intimidating people and like doing all this control, like demoralizing stuff. Um, and he happens to be like, I'm gonna go toe to toe with this guy in the fighter, right? Once you know it, big scary undead with a giant spine whip is kind of a, a tough thing to take on. He kills me. And he kills me in such a way that his abilities are like, oh, I kill you, and then I immediately resurrect you as uh, as an undead under my control. (laughs) Which at least was kind of fun because uh, the the guy running the game decided, you know what, if you want to continue, here's this undead, but you can run him. 
So on my turn, instead of being my fighter, I got to play the undead nice. while he was still around, which is kind of fun. Um, but I decided, all right, I died because I had like uh, just one one-handed weapon and a free hand, and I'm all about like maneuvering and control. I'm gonna build like a, a super tank, so right. I build another character, and she's sword uh, and flail. When she knows she gets to use the uh, the spine, the spine, because <laughs> because the the party held on to it. It's like, oh, I'll be your new party member. Oh, this is a good weapon for me. Great. Wouldn't you know it? Wow, um, that's perfect. Uh, but she's like super tanky, and uh, I really enjoyed her a lot uh, to the point where I ended up playing her a lot over the last couple of years. I got artwork of her in one of our books. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got to be featured in one of the books. Uh, so. She's kind of immortalized forever there. Wow, that's real. Uh, oh, that's yeah, got to be so cool. One of the perks of the job. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it doesn't uh, say like that it's her, but I, I know, know it's but her. You know, that's cool <laughs> um, regardless. So, uh, fighters have really been my thing. Been your jam lately. Nice. Uh, I've never been big into magic nah. users of any kind. Like spellcasters are. There's nothing wrong with them, but yeah. I always get drawn to fighters, rangers. You know, the the kind of melee style characters a lot just because i like being big tough characters that can kind of take hits but keep fighting that's great absolutely that's fun cool man uh this was a lot of fun thank you yeah for for being a part of my uh my little project here my little show um i would love to give you the opportunity to plug anything you might have if you have anything to plug Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, check out the Pathfinder RPG, Pathfinder 2nd Edition. That's always a good thing. But if you want to learn more about me, you can check out my site, luisloza.com, L-U-I-S-L-O-Z-A. I have links to a blog. I have links to a Patreon where I write stuff for Pathfinder and some products that I put out independently of my, my work here. Um, that also has links to my Twitter and everything. So follow me there. And you know, if you like what I'm doing or interested in more Pathfinder stuff, you can hit me up and uh, happily point you to, to stuff about the game or anything else. I'm, I have more than just Pathfinder back yeah, <laughs> Anyone who isn't watching this live or will not is not watching the YouTube video, there is there is a plethora of books behind yeah. uh, Luis here. That's there, great. Awesome, man. Like 12 um, games back here. Definitely send me those links uh, after we, we get out of here because I want to make sure that they're uh, in your description. Um, thanks again Uh, anybody uh, listening um, this has been you had to be there Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show um, you can either shoot me a DM on Twitter that's been working pretty well um, or you can shoot me an email at you had to be there dnd podcast at gmail.com that's dnd with the three letters by the way not the uh, ampersand or whatever it is Um, and uh, my uh Music for my intro was created by Michael James McGarry. You can follow him on its MJ Made on Instagram or SoundCloud. And my logo was created by Nicole Summers from the Reliably Chaotic Podcast. Uh, but once again, thanks for listening. This has been You Had to Be There with Luis Loza. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>